I sort of go for the universal connection. Like, first of all, being empathetic and just compassionate. You know, I think they can feel that. When the walls are built that high and the fears are that intense, sometimes we need a... Uh, right. Sometimes a hammer can break down a wall and sometimes you need to stick a dynamite. You don't have a problem with Judaism, you have a problem with religion or the way it was presented to you. Right, there is a lot of, um, like, the spiritual arrogance. It's definitely a world that uh, attracts. It's a very us. tricky stuff, mm -hmm. and, and it warns about it in a lot of places in, in the Holy Books. Very careful. If I can accomplish that, they feel that something that was stuck, there's some movement out of it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Then I feel like I've accomplished something. Welcome to the In Search of More podcast. I am your host, Ellie Nash. Join me weekly on my quest for more. More from myself and more from this world. We'll see you on the other side. All right. I'm sitting here with, do you go by rabbi? No, no. no. no when people say rabbi much, like I say, you know, I have enough issues. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an artist. It's, it's fine. It's good. Okay. I'm yeah. sitting here with uh, the Michal. artist, Michal Machnik. Yeah. So I remember you from uh, when I was uh, a youngster. So it's cool to be sitting here with you. Yeah, I'm absolutely. I feel the same way. Remember when you were a little kid? Amazing. I didn't know all the drama that was going on, <laughs> but um, you know your family, and you know it's really special to be here. I've been following your journey for years, and um, that's cool. Yeah, it'd be interesting yeah, to hear no, about that. It's really an honor to be here. I have to tell you. Yeah, yeah. it would be interesting to hear at some point uh, um, what you saw following the journey on the outside. But before we get to that. Can you give us a little bit of your backstory, where you grew up, how you were raised? Yeah, so um, I'm from Philadelphia, a nice suburb of Philadelphia. Um, we belong to a, like, a conservative synagogue. That was my upbringing, like three days after school, Hebrew school, you know, that kind of thing, which I actually liked, like being with the Jewish kids. There's a lot of Jewish kids in our area, a lot. Um, and... Um, I had my share of whatever, like everybody has a share of something growing up. Uh, we moved there when I was 12. There was some trauma there. With, you want to call it? <laughs> We're at Ellie Nash's podcast. So the word <laughs> trauma has to come out sooner or later. Right? Um, don't box me in. What? Please. Don't box you in. No, no, I got that. Um, Whatever, you know, it was like a typical thing. Our bar mitzvah was like a bye-bye to, to anything. When you said 12 years old, you moved there, you... In Philadelphia, you moved to I, from? I was in another, we were in another area. Oh, I got you. We sort of moved up to a nicer suburb. I got you. We lived in a simpler area. Not very many Jewish people um, lived there. But we also went to synagogue, all that kind of stuff. And um, whatever. Then just in, in, briefly, because then you can just zone in and whatever you want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, or whatever comes out. But um uh, after bar mitzvah, like that, basically we checked out of anything to do except the two years, you know, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, we go to synagogue. Okay, that's my Jewish thing. Um, and then um, when I was about 16, lots of stuff was going on. That's when the, uh, that was already in the 60s and the, the hippie stuff started and I just, I just got right into that. Um, I was part of the whole counterculture, and as an artist, you know, it was, it was like... Uh, you grew up with many siblings? 
an older brother and a younger brother all of Shalini passed. Um, two, I was in the middle of two boys. Younger brother passed recently. Pardon me? Your, your younger brother passed recently? No. No, he was, he was in his 40s, young. I got you. Okay, wow. Um, okay, so you grew up like that, somewhat connected to Judaism. Yeah, we're, it was, my parents were, we were very Jewish-minded. Got it. I mean, it was like, just not from, really. Was it something that, uh, did, did Judaism interest you from a young age? Yeah, were things I liked about it, um, especially when I was very young. I liked being, I very much f- felt connected to my Jew. Most of my friends were all Jewish. It was like, there was a lot of Jewish people in this, in this, in this suburb. And, um, but from the religious part of it, you know, it was more like you're taught certain things, but they didn't really keep it. So it's just whatever. And then, then when it came to the, you know, the hippie time, I mean, it's just very cool, Ellie, because I'm sitting here, I'm 71 years old, right? And sometimes I just think about back to what I've actually, or our generation has lived through. It's just, it's really fascinating. And it's really just amazing to just think of what (laughs) we've experienced. I mean, I remember when the Beatles were on the Ed Sullivan show and I was, I was young then, maybe I was, yeah, I was maybe 12, 13. And and there was girls pulling their hair out, you know, when they were singing. Like, we never saw anything like that. Pulling their hair out from excitement? Yeah. They just, I saw, I saw so many things that started different ball, ball rolling, some for the good and some for not good, right? Like the, the liberalism out of, out of out of check really but it started then right also the search for something where spiritual was really starting then so do you remember what was before and what when you say the hippie movement what was what was going on before that and then what what switched we just did what we're supposed to do more or less you know you go to school and you study and you're going to go to college and you're going to try to get good grades and you're going to have friends and my my friends were really more into sports um I really didn't go do that too much. I was more, into, I did my art, stuff like that. I wasn't so good at sports, from, so that's probably why I'm more I got interested in my art. But You got into art from a young age? Yeah, yeah. About 12, 13. I did. But when I was 16, it really got very serious. Yeah. In high school, they actually had a, uh, we had, you could actually take, every day you could, you could take a course in art if you were planning to go like to art school or something like that. It was more progressive there with certain things, and I did that. You know, as I'm telling these things, why not? I'll just to bring up certain things which, which later in my life became very significant, right? Mm-hmm. So this one art teacher was very serious about actually teaching ch- students who really were wanting to become art, you know, like <laughs> real artists, right? It wasn't just a class for anybody because everybody had to take a class in art, right? And she... People would start drawing and do whatever we were asked to do, whatever. And she went the first time I saw it, I come. She walked around, and someone you could see he was like very happy about what he's doing. He's making this perfect picture, whatever. And she came up and she just she took her pen pen and she just she just made a she just <laughs> like right across the whole thing. 
Another one she tore right in, she tore it off right in front of the person. What was this motivated by? No, it's when people were too like they were trying to make the perfect picture that they they were she wanted them to go out of their their comfort zone and they weren't. Got they it. were just staying in their thing and it was like Ah, you know, I'm begging and making a really beautiful thing, and they're all proud of themselves. And she would, she went to it. She would be like, when it's ah, oh, like my teacher's going to be proud of me, right? And she would come and tear. And I, I, I learned so much from that. It, it, I really got that, and I realized it was that to become an artist and and really to become really good at your creativity. You have to, you can't get too stuck in anything or formula or anything like that. And you have to go out of your comfort zone and it becomes more about the process. Do you hear what I'm saying? Right. So she sensed it was some sort of perfectionism or maybe someone too in their head while they were working on the art. They're never going to grow. Right. They've already decided what, what, what works, what's good. So she wanted to shake things up. So she it's kind of the artistic version of grabbing someone by the shoulders and shaking them. Right, but it was just, it was very very powerful, and I ended up, I got I ended up. The school gave a scholarship. The high school gave a scholarship to one person who was in the arts, and I got that. It wasn't like any big amazing amount of money, but it, you know what? It went towards a little bit towards my. I went to Rhode Island School of Design. But so by the time I got there. And I was right in the, it was 1970. It really was still the 60s, you want to call it. And then, what do you call it? All borders were just taken down at that school. It was just, what you, what you see many years later was already going on over there. So share, and, share what you mean by that, because I'm not sure. No, I'm talking about just the liberalism, the all kinds of things, just whatever, sexuality, just the, all these different things that were just being, you know, the whole... Thing. So let me understand. So leading up to that point, it kind of felt like the um, the American way was white picket fence, everyone a, a cookie cutter approach, and then suddenly everything yeah, like exploded. JFK and his pretty wife, young, everything was perfect. I think no, really, in those right. times, people after the war, by the time I came around, I was born in 1952, but in the 50s, the beginning of especially the beginning of the 60s, the very early 60s, it was like life. You know, for your average person in the United States was was very nice. I mean, it was it was very everything was okay. That's how everybody thought about it. You know, and the president and everything. Everybody watched the president and his pretty wife and all this kind of stuff. And young, I mean, it was like Camelot. They call it that. And then all of a sudden, like he gets assassinated. That was a lot of the things that started the ball rolling. I say the ball rolling, depending which way you want to explain that. But um, just it was, there was a lot of, that was traumatic for the country. It was was really. There was an idealism that was shattered. Yes, yes. And you feel like that inspired the. The hippie, the hippie movement. I'm not so sure it was one thing, what other things, but right. there. I don't know. There's always different things, but that was a that was a huge. I just remember that was a huge. Do you way, feel like we're in we're in middle of one now, or we're continuing something that started then? Meaning, did a, did another one recently start, or we're in the middle of the old one? 
That's a really good question. But there's no question that we're still affected by that. There's not even a question by that. Um, hmm. I deal a lot with younger people in, uh, in my community. It just happens. People, I say younger, I'm talking about mostly from 1920 to up to 40, but, but younger. Um, mostly and, from 20s to 40s? Yeah, like right. okay. I say younger. Yeah. A, lot of, a number of them, got, mostly guys, but um, I don't know. They confide in me. They just, it just happens. I don't know what it is. I t it's sort of written on my face. Yeah. I'm safe to talk to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it, you know. They know maybe enough about where I came from, what it is. I don't know what it is. And I'm talking about, I, I'm a, like, I'm, I'm pretty much a card carrying, you know, from a religious laboratory when I hate right. that word religious. But, um, but they know that there's, that I'm able to hold stuff. And, and so I have all, all kinds of people on all kinds of journeys and they just, you know, they, they, they feel comfortable. Oh. Now, where was I going with this? Um, I was asking if, if it's a continuation or if it's a new one. Oh, right. Now, within, if you want to call it that, our community, or, and I feel like there was also like a little bit, for some people, a breakdown of idealism or, or whatever, and there is a crisis, or we don't call it that, or a, what did you call it? It's, there is a... Uh, it was like an idealism that was new, shattered. A newer type of, you want to call it, dealing, trying to deal with things. Okay, so let's separate this a little bit. Um, within the American kind of society, right. saying there's something right. that started possibly many years ago that we're still right. dealing right. with, which I, I think, um, you know, from a trauma perspective, which... Right. I was going to try to avoid it in this conversation. Yeah, I didn't. I think yeah, I said the last I three you. generations. I got you. You're probably thinking, <laughs> oh, gosh, there's going to be a fresh of air. I'm sick of trauma. I'm going to have some <laughs> artists come in. You know, we're just going to talk about his paintings. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, I really, I, I don't, I don't plan with, uh, with where it goes. I get very, it's kind of the same, right? This is my art. So if I plan it too much, if I'm moving a direction a certain way, then, you know, I'll have, um, the professor come in and just tear up all the microphones, <laughs> you know? So I understand what you're saying in terms of that. I don't come with uh, too much preparation to these. Uh, I, pre I prepared my whole life right. for no, this conversation. That's, I didn't come prepared either. It's like, that's, so it's, I love, what I love about this podcast, your podcast especially is it's, it's just, you feel from anyone who's coming on here that they don't have to prepare anything. It, they just come with, who they are and they're and that's like that's what's so amazing about it to me but right for for me i thank you for me it's really um it's an opportunity to have a conversation and with these microphones and cameras i know that you won't pick up your phone and you know that i won't pick up my phone so that's all it really is i mean you used to be able to have these conversations normally now we need microphones and cameras in order to to put our phones away that's because well, come on, between you and me, it's because really you, you want to share with others. You want to, anything you can share with others, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's kindness. You just, you want to share with others so that other people can benefit from it. Isn't that 
Sure, but there's two components to it. When I'm in the conversation, there's the conversation. Right. And in every conversation, I say, there's always the possibility that a part of the conversation or all of the conversation doesn't get published for whatever reason. And uh, there should be value in, in the conversation itself. Right. Meaning I'm not, I'm not waiting for this to be published to get value from it. I'm looking to get value within right the now, conversation. Right now, I feel value in it. It's nothing to do with, I, I'm not even really paying attention much where it's going. It's, I'm, it's, I'm very present with you, and it's, it's our, we're right here now, and this is our conversation. I got right. it. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you mentioned something about uh, what's going on now with younger people in the community speaking to you, younger 20s, 30s, 40s, um, being comfortable speaking to you and noticing maybe a shift and are you comparing it to what happened in the what what happened with JFK where certain idealism was shattered in American society and maybe saying that within our community there's been a uh, idealism that's been shattered I, I guess you could correlate it to some extent I think so I mean most of the ones who speak but for instance if someone comes and, and like they're just they're having they don't they're 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 searching for spirituality they're searching for a connection to god or they don't want to know that maybe they don't believe in god whatever it, whatever it is they and then there's so many temptations and that we didn't really have to deal with let's face it the internet all the things that you talked about many times in your podcast like all these things it's so intense like i'm trying i actually try to put myself in a, in in their 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 shoes you know and in some way, I can relate, but I'm also not from. I'm also much older, and they're they're coming up having all this plopped down on them. Understood. So um, I sort of go for the universal connection, like first of all, being empathetic and just compassionate. You know, and I'd say I think think they feel that, and then giving them space to like whatever and um but i think we were in the middle of answering another question well I, what i'd but, like to get back to is oh the maybe your story no maybe your story a little bit is yeah continue on that and then we'll mix in some of these because i think yes yeah, so um, it'll certainly help me to understand your story better so as you're mixing I got it. In things, okay so um it was actually while i was in art school and you know I, drugs psychedelics different things i wasn't like all the time doing that. I have an amazing outlet with my art, and I did, was doing a lot of that. Like, that satisfied a lot of self-medication, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, but, um, and the creativity and all kinds of things. Um, but I just felt a sort of decadence uh, and something with all that and the freedom to go. I, I was in this art, art school. I basically could do anything I wanted there. It was really, they didn't even have any grades. I mean, and I was with all these intelligent, because you had to be actually intelligent to get into this school. Like most art schools, you just had to know how to draw a straight line. But in this school, you had to actually be smart. <laughs> you had to have like, good grades or get good SATs. So I'm with all these smart, creative people. So it was a lot of, it was whatever it was, but all this stuff, I think just the whole thing became just, and through different uh, things, I ended up 
actually your mother's Sephardis in Moroccan. Right. So I, it was Mayor Abbasera who was actually Makar of me too, brought me close to Oh, cool. Yeah. He's the, the whistler, right? Yes. Yes. And um, I got into macrobiotics in, while I was in art school to really clean myself out of the toxins of the drugs and the whole thing and to just do something what I thought would be like a natural high. And I might say that. You mean like whatever. So it was really the beginning of the whole health food movement. A lot of things were, about it were good, but it was still like sort of a, a Zen thing. So it was like connected this and that. But at one point, Mayor Basar used to be a teacher of that. He was like a, a teacher of, of macrobiotic and a, okay. And he Can you had like a following. What? Can you explain macrobiotics? Um, well, it's basically, it's like, it has something to do with eating health foods, but it's also like a sort of philosophy yin yang balancing and all kinds of spiritual things and uh, there a lot of the you want to call it the number of ex-hippies sort of got into that and just some as in all these movements there's always many jews involved in these things <laughs> it's just amazing um and it was really actually miraculous we actually so maybe it's the intersection of food and spirituality would would that explain it well yeah, there's a spiritual component to it and just... I say macrobiotics would... Um, would that explain it? The intersection I, of food and spirituality? Is that? Yeah, but it was also eat, like it was really eating very healthy foods, you know, and that's what all the organic stuff started and just Understood. that, it, that it, you know, it affects you and the, you know, it, it, what you eat and all this kind of stuff. So he was a teacher of that? Yeah, and he would... But there's all Near the a university, spiritual how did component you... to it. There's spiritual... Right. Like, I won't call him, you know, it was like, not, it was a, he was like a guru. He was a Jewish guy. He wasn't a guru of it, but in that sense. But it was that he was, people really looked up to him. So I was told about him, and I didn't know. But when I, when I came to visit, he, was, he, had, he had become Shomer Shabbos. He, had become, he was, became Balchuba. He came from this, all the Habachatzeros come from the same family. The Babasali, they're all related, and they all come from that, the original, I think, Yitzhak Abbasera, whose name, the Babasera, uh, with a whole miracle story that happened there with the rug. You ever, have you ever heard that story? No. No? Not Your mother's a rock, and you never heard that story? That's so interesting to me. Maybe she said it in Arabic, and I didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the hummus you got, right? The, Which? I said, you didn't get the story, but hummus on the table you got for Shabbos. <laughs> the, the, the Moroccan food, Moroccan fish, right? Um, we had gefilte fish with matbukha. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it, got it. Um, we could tell, it's not a long story. The story was that he, he was, uh, he was uh, one of the most learned uh, students in this uh, yeshiva in Israel somewhere. And one student had to go travel on some boat to like, what was it then, Constantinople? I don't know, whatever the Istanbul, different places where there was, you know, well-to-do Jews and to collect money for the yeshiva. Okay. And um, the lottery came out and he, he was picked. So he went down to the harbor to get to, on this boat and they said there's no more room. This is Yisak Abu Khatar. Yeah, and okay. no more room. But finally they um, they just started going and he was carrying his carpet i guess he took it for him so he'd have where to rest and what and he just sat on his carpet and the carpet floated on the water 
behind the boat. It was like this open miracle. I mean, it's been passed down for generations. <laughs> and when they saw that, they got all, they let him on board. <laughs> and then he collected his money, whatever. So they named him Abu Chatzera, which means the master of the carpet. That's how oh. they got the name. Oh, interesting. It's very interesting. And this is the Baba Sali. That's or an ancestor Baba Sali was, a, I guess, a grandson or great grandson. I got it. Of, okay. Okay. Understood. They were they were Kabbalists. They were you know. So, um, but Mayer's family they're related somehow. Maybe a great nephew. I don't know. Whatever. But they left Morocco in like I guess around the early fifties because of the forty. You know when all that stuff happened, they came to France and a lot of those families, the children, just got like assimilated into French culture. They had things. I'm sure the parents kept, were kept shop, shops, and everything, but they basically left Yiddishkeit, Judaism. I mean, on you know, personal. It was really fascinating. He, he most of the stu they were students in this college. He ended up staying in this one area, and then uh, and he started a publishing company, and he lectured, and they opened up a, like a health food restaurant, and then he saw the lack of Jewish knowledge in these american students he was flabbergasted he just couldn't believe it because he had he didn't realize how much was part of his dna and to the point where he actually no, he wasn't religious no at that point he wasn't religious but he just knew a lot about judaism just from the right, way he was raised right and maybe he even pulled on some of the sayings you know in his books and stuff like that with him he would like whatever he did do that i think but that's the point. He didn't, he realized that he sort of threw the baby out with the bathwater, right? In and the he, sense that? No, that, he, that he, he actually was not religious. And then he, then he, he decided, again, I have to, to the audience, I don't like the term religious. You know? no, either me. What? Either and me. And I, I feel it when, when, like, when people come to me, but they don't this, then they don't that. They don't this. I said, you don't have a problem with Judaism. You have a problem with the religion or the way it was presented to you or, that, or how you saw, you know, you know what I'm saying. Where was I back to? So, um, no, so he's noticing these, these, these young people, like he was, he couldn't believe like they're, and he started to appreciate where he came from and he started keeping Shabbos. And he had all these followers, like maybe it was like 25, 30, more that used to come around, but they were actually living there. And um, some of them are non-Jewish, and actually, four of them, eventually, they um, converted according to Jewish law. Like it became, yeah. they were so taken by him that if this was what he's doing, this must be good. But in any which case, so he um, and I was twenty at the time. Oh, I stayed there. He asked me if I would illustrate his book. Is it some Chinese healing book? I illustrated it, and I stayed there. And so this was in your university days? No, it's in Binghamton, New York. Binghamton. Uh, and I stay, I stay, I stay, I, stay, I, 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 at the end of the school year, I actually left, I didn't go back. I went there and I became, you know, observant. And then I, um, maybe observant's a better word than religious. Yeah, let's, let's go there. And then I, um, after eight months, I illustrated this book and I realized I'm young. Some of them were married couples. I, I needed to really study, and I got more serious about it. So that's how I ended up checking out a couple of yeshivas, and then I ended up in Morristown, and I was in the first class of the Baltruva part of the yeshiva. Oh, cool. There's only 12 guys there when I was there. 
two years later, I left. It was 70 guys. It was a big movement then. So you, you made it. So I'm talking this is 1973 and four. Right. You made a you made a connection which I didn't catch. So yeah. at the be- beginning of the hippie days, you had right. mentioned some psychedelic and drugs and then detoxing right. from that through the macrobiotics. Can right. you link that together? Well, that was like the macrobiotic thing. But just no, just the, how you how you how you got there. You had mentioned the psychedelic. I just got there. Oh no! What I had a friend who was macrobiotic. She lived in Brookline, Massachusetts, and that's where the big center of the macrobiotic movement was. Actually, it's really started there. It was very big. So you know, I would go sometimes there, and then I was just doing it. And then um, I didn't. I was not. I didn't get pulled into the hierarchy over there. Like I thought. Oh, in fact, I'm going to share this with you. This one guy, he was like one of, he was like, I don't know, Asian. And so he, everyone looked up and was like, he really is like the knowing of all this stuff, all this spiritual stuff. Like he was, uh, I went to, I went to one of his lectures. A lot, a lot of young people there. And you know, he was talking about stuff and there was a Jewish there was a number of Jews, but I'm not. It was one guy, obviously Jewish, because he asked. He said, "What do you think about Jewish ritual?" So he just waved his hand and said, "Oh, it's all sentimental. Sentimental in macrobiotic language is like, it's just like uh, extra unnecessary. It, it's really yeah. like, and I'm sitting meaningless, there, you know. And I wasn't observing or anything. I just, but it just." To- I mean, my neshama, you know, myself. I, I, I was so turned off. I, I just, uh, that's it. I have nothing to do with this guy. You know, that's it. Da, 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 da. But I was into the macrobiotic thing. But this guy, this is, this is, and he was like the big leader there. So a friend of mine, so she said, you know, I, she, I, she knew because either she went with me there or I don't know whatever the whole thing. But she said, go, you know, try Mayor Abbasera. Michelle was at the time, Michelle Abbasera. You know, he's Jewish and, you know, it's different take. And then I came there, and there it was. I came in. It was the seventh day of Pesach, which is a holiday, holiday of you know. And they just come up for their meal, and a bunch of them are wearing black hats, and you know, and and I and tzitzis, and I was like, "You're not giving the Chinese guy enough credit. He should. You should say he's the one who's makar of you." Oh, you want to go there? No, meaning, yes, no. You in a way? No, you said that Mayor Becerra was the one who brought but, you closer to Judaism. But really, he got me in really, touch with my my Jewish exactly. soul. Exactly. Yes. Sounds like the Chinese <laughs> guy did. <laughs> Interesting. No, that's how. Well, yeah, how life works. You just you have to when the message where the messages come from. Right. You have to. Yeah. Okay, so then you become closer to Judaism. You join Marstown. Um, and then, Marstown uh, then I had. Already, then I had a, a, an interview. You know, we called it Yechidus, but with the the, the rabbi in those days, you still it was you were a student in yeshiva, so you could have a private uh, interview with the rabbi on near your birthday when he was doing those. So anybody had a birthdays around that time, and he was having that um, those audiences. I mean, I was totally freaked out. I'm going to go in because by then already it was a year in the yeshiva or so to that that I'm going to go or you know into the room alone which was pretty intense one on one but I did it <laughs> what was that like oh well if I say it was amazing there were amazing things about it beyond amazing it's just I didn't realize it until later in my life and it, was, it wasn't all lollipop stuff 
like I sort of sense that, that there's going to be challenges in my life. I, 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 looking back, the Rebbe was taking, I, I don't know, I don't, it's beyond my comprehension, but sort of looked ahead. So, so, what was, so what was that like? You prepare weeks in advance or you get notified just before that you're going in? A guy like a how much can you prepare? You just try to do your best and, you know. Are you notified well before? Yes. Several weeks, sir? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In fact, they canceled us out and then made it later so that we, because they felt we weren't really ready, so to speak, or we wouldn't appreciate that much. Got it. Looking back, I think that was ridiculous. But, I mean, we're like starving souls, you know. <laughs> we came out of the thing and now we... Or there. So your group of 12 guys? No, no. There was his birthday. Go- and that's, there's more guys there at that point. But this was like, there was eight guys during that, whenever, that month or six weeks had birthdays. So we were the first ones from the yeshiva to go. To go. But each one individually. I got you. And how it long like does the meeting last? Night. What? How long does the meeting last? Oh, each person was different. My, my first one was about eight minutes, which was long. I mean, the, the secretary kept coming to pull me out. They didn't want to they, they didn't take up the Rebbe's time that, that way, but the Rebbe was speaking to me and I'm not going to walk out, obviously. Spoke in English, Yiddish? Yes. I understood English. everything the Rebbe said quite clearly. I never heard there was a, a language barrier inside the Rebbe's room. Amazing, but there was never a language barrier, barrier with anyone. So earlier when we, uh, we did a mini workshop, which we'll talk about later, you asked me to use a couple adjectives to describe different periods of the um meditation or yeah. experience yeah yeah the experience so what, what are a couple adjectives you would use to describe that experience of meeting one-on-one with the with the rebbe i was very guarded i was i was very i was very scared i was gonna have like a bad thought i mean a lot of it's from where i was coming you know you don't you don't what i tell you just when i first walked in I literally, I, I, I felt, I don't know how to explain it. It felt like a, it was just like the most. I, Were you walking like, into his study room? Yeah. Um, You're standing, he's sitting? Like a Ghanaian. I, I, I feel like, I, it was almost like I could smell it. It was just, it was just so, it was not just pure. It was like, I don't even know how to explain it, homie. I, it was just so, so beautiful, comfortable, right? And then the Rebbe told me to come closer, which I did. Um, and I gave, I brought in a few little samples of my art. One picture and two pieces of calligraphy. Because I wanted, I basically, at that point, it was like, the Rebbe's going to give you direction. And even though I'm an artist, like I thought, you know, whatever, but what I should, what, now that I'm like in this thing, like what, the, what does the Rebbe think I should be doing? So I brought my yard in to show that I have this talent, but I asked maybe, uh, you know, if I'm observant now and I'm a lavatra chasa, maybe I should become a, a, a scribe, you know, a sofer. <laughs> the Rebbe said, you know, to, the Rebbe answered that, that, you know, I should ask a sofer, which I did the next day. But in the same year, the Rebbe told me, I, you know, I should print kasubas. And I, uh, and that, uh, and I asked, I got excited. I somehow it was like everyone was giving me a, a very big green light about going with my art, and somehow I felt that, and I, I got very excited. I said, "Oh, you mean I can do children's books, like things like that?" I, I went in there like the Rebbe was going to guide me. It was how I, I took what's supposed to happen, right? And um, and the Rebbe said yes, and 
Um, I started clapping and saying, you know, Baruch Hashem a few times. <laughs> um, and these things panned out. Amazing. But the Rebbe said other things that were just like scary. The Rebbe said, that he, he was, and the Rebbe didn't look at me until only once. And there was, um, um, there was very much concentrating of things. At one point, the Rebbe like went off to the side and was in very deep thought. And um, the Rebbe said something like, they're gonna, they'll take advantage of you. As my life panned out, I, there were times when that was happening. And I picked, you know. Who was they? Who, were they, who was he referring to? Individuals or this, a manager. Are you, it's whatever. It, it's beautiful. That was really actually warning. And that, then there ever said I should find a manager I trust. Now, at that time, manager. I, I, I'm, I'm drawing a few pictures. I don't you know what I'm even going to. You know what I'm saying? The Rebbe was empowering and looking to the future already. It was, the Rebbe expected, the Rebbe was expected, I don't even say expected, he actually empowered people. He saw much more of our abilities than we saw ourselves. So much more? Of our abilities, of what? Right. What do you feel like he was telling you with that statement of they're going to take advantage of you? I had no idea. In hindsight, I had no now? idea. But immediately I tried to find someone. You know, when I, I was still in yeshiva, and if everybody even told me I shouldn't interrupt, I asked, can I do artwork while I'm in yeshiva? And the rest said, not, not to interrupt with the schedule of the study. So I did very little, because you're studying all the time. Right. <laughs> in hindsight, you don't know what he, what he meant by that, looking back at it now? You mean in hindsight? Now? Now, when you look back at what he was... Yeah, I mean, it's not unusual for artists to be taking advantage of their business no, with this or that. He mentioned, you said he went deep in thought, and he comes back with something profound. What was that message? What was a message, a warning, a lesson? I think the Rebbe was foreseeing that there was going to be a lot of challenges in my life in general and different things, and, and not, just, not just in business, other things, personal, all kinds of stuff. And I think there was trying to set it up that I would be able to... Get through it in one piece, tell you the truth. Yeah. Did it help? Yes. Still feel like I, you know, I, I, um, I know in one way I feel like I didn't expand enough. I didn't take advantage of all these things enough, but that's a good, that's a kind of, that's an okay feeling to have, you know. I still want to do more. Walk me through the process when you decided to, to go to Marstown and become more religious. Is that a one day to the next when people, um, when, when someone takes that on? Is one day you're living one way and the next day there's Shabbos, kosher? There's also a very big difference today with this, this generation and, and those days, like the hippie crowd, if you want to call it, or that we, were, we, were, we already changed our lifestyle dra drastically. We dropped out, turned into, I mean, that's, you, had, you really dropped out of the regular society. Okay, we had, we had a good number Meaning of people Meaning if you bought into the hippie culture. What? If you bought into the hippie culture, you dropped out of. It, you, it was pretty drastic change, right? Or was it tune in, drop out? What was the? Yeah, like, no, drop out, turn on, tune in, or something like that. <laughs> right. Or tune in, turn, whatever it is. <laughs> like Timothy Leary's thing. Right? Something, yeah, that stuff. 
Um, so I didn't understand that before, but you, so you became part of that, that movement. Right. Got it. Psychedelics and all. Yeah. But you know, I, 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 I have a very, very active creative mind. It was actually a way like, I didn't always, I, most of my experience with that was just too intense. It was just too intense. Like, you know, bad trip type things. Right. Not terrible, but, um, on the other hand, it was expansive things, but I have to be honest with you, like, what's going on now with all this stuff? Like, we come from a very different place. And I thought you would find this really interesting part of this discussion because our experience with psychedelics at the time was, I think, very different than what may be being experienced right now or what people are trying to find through it. I don't... And... Um, But I'll never forget feeling like the time when I just stopped doing any drugs was like, what's the point of getting all high and all in this consciousness if I can't come down and, and live it in this world? This is where we are. I just felt it was a disconnect. Um, and um, some people didn't come down. And some people, like, at those times, it was Was pretty, it mostly LSD? What I, no, I mean, I did, whatever. I I didn't do much of all the things, but I all of it. A little LSD, a little psilocybin, right. you know, a little marijuana. It was just, but in those days it was all illegal and that was part of the fun. <laughs> yeah. But, and I can't say that they didn't have some experience, but I, I really, it was more, it was more because of it. I, I, my thing was, I, I got to find spirituality in, in a regular, like we call it, when you want to call it a regular life, but. And I've had that challenge ever since. Artists and just creative, it's just not easy to balance that. Not the, easy for anybody, but. What was motivating the psychedelic usage back then? Do you feel like it's different than what's going on now? I, I, it's hard to, to say. I can't speak for anybody else. Notice your but perspective. But we were really just, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I think that, that, what collectively the Jewish nation was at that time, because I think it's all somehow revolves around the Jews, <laughs> that it, it, um, the assimilation rate the, um, after the Holocaust, the whole collective understanding of Judaism and Torah or any aspect of the more mystical parts, people just, people just didn't, they were so disconnected to it. And I, I think... And it's some, I don't, I don't know. It's some, sometimes I just think God like picked a bunch of the shamas and just threw them down to this thing who would like, would not, would just not accept this somehow. We didn't accept like just <laughs> yeah, life right. the way it was or life being a Jew that way or anything. And it, we just couldn't sit still. Just could not sit still. And when you're so stuck in that, and there's really no one to go to, and you don't even know who to go to, and you don't know. Then, that's why a lot of the, these Jewish they, they they just were like searching for you know spirituality, or you want to call it finding God, I don't, spirit, but definitely a higher something. They were just, what is all this about? Why? Right. And so, 
being that most of us did not experience this particularly, you know, spiritual or uh, things from our the Judaism we were brought up with, whatever level that was. So then you would search with other religions or other, you know, theologies or things like that. So that was just going on. And some people, they thought they found it. We have one friend, he said, the 60s was like the light at the end of the tunnel for us. He says, but the only problem is we didn't realize it was a train coming in our direction. <laughs> <laughs> backfired because it was it was either was in the wrong but and for many people they just they also had to settle down so they just maybe they had a good time who knows there's a lot of people just partied through all that stuff i, I that wasn't my experience and it wasn't a lot of experience with a lot of jewish people and certainly the ones who ended up becoming observant the way i see it were really really wanted to get to like you know pacify their they're in the shamas. So then there's still, so when, here I am now looking at, so when we got off of that stuff where we just like sort of, we sort of put that all in one, what's the word? Um, a package of like, well, whatever happened there that we got to here, but that was all like not where it's at. Do you hear what I'm saying? And you felt like when you found Judaism, it was where it's at. That was the feeling. Oh, it was not even a question. Now, when I first came around, it was like to me, anyone who was wearing a beard, you know, and was like righteous because they're doing what Jews are supposed to do, like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. And then, you know, somebody cheats you in business that has a beard, you know, something like happens and then you start to have to really put two and two together, right? But the, the that, that people are people and people have their things and everything like that. Not everybody, just because they're wearing the, the garb is doing everything. So I, yeah, yeah, but that's right. just. I mean, how, you don't have to sell me that, on this. What? You don't have to sell me. I on know this. I don't <laughs> have to. Yeah, and you have many podcasts. You could deal with that. that. You've seen, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, thank God for the Rebbe because it started then. We were all really, I guess, judging people like we were really. If someone was not, it's something. You know, that's it. You know, Al, I want the truth. You know. And when it came to the Rebbe, everybody could stop because there was a real side. Like, it was a real person who really cared, and there was really, you know, and, and that's what's, and that, that worked. But and then the, the transition from, you know, being in Marstown in a, I guess, study environment and transitioning to a religious community, an observing community right. like Crown Heights, what was that like? Difficult wasn't easy to be there either. You have to admit, you, you take a bunch of hippies who basically could do anything. That, I wasn't artist. I could do anything I wanted. I was like totally, you know, free. Fr free, like, there never hadn't existed. I don't know if any society was like that. Every society was basically, you, you had, a, you kept to certain things, like society norms, right? And um, now all of a sudden you're in yeshiva and every moment of every day, basically, you're supposed to be doing something like this, not like that, right? Even There's just a rule for every moment, right? right? So you would think, and some people couldn't handle it actually. But the only way to really handle it, the only way to really actually integrate was that you you had to see the 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 soul of the thing. You had to see the goodness of it, and you had to go and and because 
and we did mo many of us did and it, it was to this day it's something we're just no one's it's many there all have been some that like left it but if you go back there's usually stuff that they didn't integrate it in that way you know what i mean do you remember what it was that pulled you into into it well it's so interesting because you know not you, the original you, attraction but which really cemented it meaning i think i understand from what you're saying how you kind of ended up from mayor becerra into Marstown, but eventually to say hey this is how i want to live my life raise my kids I don't think it was one thing. It was many. It, it was just studying, and you're 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 into try to integrating everything. What it is, it's a, you're being taught. It could be, it could be a particular Torah wisdom. It could be a particular teacher who like you know showed some caring and really there for you. I was just thinking something, but um, wait, what was the last thing you asked? Um, I asked about, um, you know, if there was a specific not a moment, but something that really drew you oh, in. Oh, yes. So when I first came to Marstown, the the rabbi who was, um, and at that time, no one wanted to take on the Bali Shuva. It was hit, they were just a bunch of long-haired hippies, basically, for them. In fact, the the the... The mainstream yeshiva in the same building, the the parents like called the rebbe. They wrote to the rebbe. They said, "How can you let these people, and you know, be near my kids?" <laughs> the rebbe had the vision and foresaw, and he even spoke about it that they, that they want to return to their roots. It's, it was a big thing in those days, and um, and whatever. But at the beginning, we couldn't eat at the same table. <laughs> We first came. We were segregated. You know about that. No, I know. <laughs> um, it didn't last very long because pretty quickly started doing it, and they they see we're like more into it than some of their own kids. Right. <laughs> um, but th this rabbi that, that, that was there, who actually was the, took upon himself to do to be the take to take us on. It's almost like that art teacher who tore up the, the, he didn't go with an easy, though there was warmth there, there was a lot of warmth and love, you felt that, but he was just, a lot of us came in with very, very big egos. Because in the world, that's not was about getting rid of your ego very much, in the contrary, it was about building up your ego. I'm talking about in an unhealthy way, right? Mm. I went to this school, I was the smartest this, I'm the smartest that, and I'm even I'm even the most spiritual hippie, and I even had the higher trip, and I, you know, this, you know, I'm saying, like, I, I, I'm going to, I'm, somebody asked me, well, what, what was the difference between then and now, like, when you started to, you know, when was the first time you had a concept of Mashiach, you know, they're holding with the Aquarian age, was all, I said, oh, I said, no, I had this back in the 60s, I said, the only difference is I thought I was Mashiach. <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> right there is a lot of um like the spiritual arrogance at least it's definitely a world that uh attracts it's a very this. tricky stuff mm -hmm. and and it warns about it in a lot of places in 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 the holy books be very careful
Right, I think I think I came across somewhere where um, it said that's one of the reasons not to learn Kabbalah before a certain age is because it could be used, misunderstood in many ways. Right. And I think used in, in, in some of that right. way. I think there were two parts. One was about misunderstanding God because it's giving some what sounds like definition to it. And I right. think the other component was just getting lost in the... Uh, well, I hear these things people say. I, mean, I had this psychedelic experience and I saw God. And I, I mean, you know, I mean, you've heard these type of mm-hmm. things. But that's interesting. Now looking all back on the whole thing, I think if I could just give like a like a sort of a, a message of like how I you know it's being number one at the top is being grateful, not for what you don't have, but for what you have, and like clean thinking, clean eating, um, if you want to call it that, like wholesome, you know, like a wholesome lifestyle. And um, like me, I, I'm I'm card carrying because the, the old challenges and all things, different things I've had to go through. Whatever, like everybody's had different things, but it's um, you know that there's a God, and I'll pray to Him, and I and and you learn to see His presence and all kinds of things. You were you. Get, I can share this on the podcast because you spoke about it actually with somebody in one of the podcasts. Yeah, speak comfortably if we ever need to cut something out. What? Speak comfortably. Yeah. Don't worry. No, um, no, I don't think this is a problem at all. Um, I'm saying even if it is, we can always cut. I, something out. you know, like just this coming to your to your thing. I actually didn't really have any big doubts about it, but you could see why sometimes it could come play into you know. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing or whatever? Or be this controversial? Coming whatever. To, to your podcast. Oh, this one? Is it controversial? What? Not. No, I'm saying. <laughs> All right, forget. No, the, no, no. Make your po- point. Make what? your point. Make your point. The point was I'm listening. that. I'm not saying anything. I really didn't have my. But I said. you know, to, So I thought. I mean, I did. I asked a, a blessing, you know, to oil, whatever. I should be doing the right thing, whatever it was. But at one point, I just, I just said, just when I was called by Yossi, do I want to be on it? And I said, yeah, I was excited. Then I thought, like, I'm looking for a sign from the Reb, like something. Yeah. I'm Amish, like two minutes later. I, 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 I decided anyway to sit down and watch one of your podcasts because I haven't watched so many, but now I'm coming on. I started watching a whole bunch of them, <laughs> the more recent ones, right? So, um, and what were you talking about? You were explaining to someone about Igros, about looking into the, into the, you know, and seeing an answer. You know how to was that a conversation with Schneider Hickson? I think yes, that's who it was with. And he was explaining to right. And then you right then said, and sometimes you know people people find answers without. This is so. I'm looking (laughs) at your listen. The picture this right. I, I'm thinking I want an answer. And the first thing I do is I go on. I, not that I was looking for an answer. I just wanted to check out your podcast. And you're talking about this exact thing, getting an answer. You understand? Yeah, that's nifty. Yes. So it, what? Nifty, I said right? it's nifty. Yeah. Very nifty. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I went, okay, done deal. 
Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'd already agreed to Controversy come on. settled. Right? What? Controversy settled. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but getting back to this, like, the psychedelic thing, just because I, a lot of these young people that are doing it or, you know, whatever, they, people ask me about it because they think I'm like, uh, and I'm really not, I feel like I'm not really at, I just don't really like to discuss it at this this stage, you know. Um, I just, I think if you can do, if there's other paths without doing that, it's almost like, you know, at the beginning of Tanya, it says, um, the, the whole, I don't know what you want to call it, the introduction to Tanya. So it says that there's, there's, the, there's a long way that's short and a short way that's right. long. And the Chabad way or the, you know, it's, uh, the Tanya way is really that it takes work, it takes time. There's no short way. Short way eventually just doesn't really get you there. Again, I don't want to like come off like I'm really making these things I tell, because I, I feel like it's a different generation, different things going on. I, 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 but that's my doubt about it in a certain sense. Like the long way that's short will all, like to me is always work. I'm talking about like being kind, doing kindness, doing things, having a healthy lifestyle. You know, praying to God, keeping the things, and just just doing. You know, keeping talk, like like that sort of thing. Dealing with yeah, with the challenges, but dealing with them from a from that perspective. And good sayings of the sages and stuff like that. Um, to me, like that's so you're so based on what you experienced in the 60s, 70s. I'm giving you from my psychedelics, right? right? Your perspective. Yeah. So you have a lot of skepticism around what's going on now with the psychedelic renaissance, which is okay. It's not. A, yeah, no, I know. Listen to you talk to you. It's like you're, that's what I like about you a lot. Um, you know, it's not like you have any big agenda over here. Um, see, it's very hard for me because I had that experience. And I don't know what of that maybe, but again, most of it was not finding it there. It was mostly, if I did, it was about finding it here. You hear right. what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that what? there are a couple different things. Is number one, um, I can't speak for what happened in the 60s and 70s, but it's it, when I speak to people like yourself and others, it seems like a lot of the Renaissance was motivated by um, a search for meaning, right? Which I understand. Right. I think that now it's a little bit different. I think most people I speak to, myself and I got into it, it was really um, just a solution for suffering. Most most I people who went into saying. it just I suffered too much and I, said, yeah. "There's got to be a different way." If they're, if they're just like nothing's working, therapies aren't working, this isn't working, this isn't working, then they, they it's like it's like basically it's what how we felt also. So we were certain, we right. wanted to get out of that rut of some a, a spiritual. So you're saying rut. it could be the same thing? I, in I a think... way, I, I guess that's very interesting. I I, I um, that's very interesting to hear that. Um, I say for myself, I was, I wasn't afraid of the work, right? I, I went to twelve-step meetings. I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds of twelve-step right. meetings. I went to therapy for years. Right. I started from two thousand from two thousand eight to two thousand nineteen. Right. I did healing without any psychedelics. Right. And I used some breath work. I used, I mean, everything I can find. Right. Right. Someone was crushing up crystals and giving it to me. I was taking it. Right. I just try anything. <laughs> I'll try anything. I wanted uh, a relief from the right. suffering, and. 
what motivated me towards um, psychedelics was that despite the fact that I was sober, technically, uh, my actions were sober at the time, and I healed a lot of things. I didn't feel like the effects of the child sex abuse were plaguing my life too much. There were a lot of things that were better, but I just lived with constant anxiety, and it just right. didn't feel... It didn't feel right. I had right. periods where they got better, but I, it was it was constant. It was pretty much a right. constant state of anxiety. Right, right, right. And the periods which got better didn't make it better. It only made me realize how much the anxiety was a part of your me. life. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, if you're carrying yeah. a bag, I, by the way, I can always res- I can resonate. Yeah. with this. and um, the reason I also asked about the um, w- which one is I've never done LSD, so I can't speak to it. I just know. People who do use it, I, I always hear about it more in a recreational slash spiritual seeking mm-hmm. way, not so much in a, a therapeutic. Personally, when I speak about the medicine, I'm really talking about ayahuasca, which I, from my own experience with different medicines, I kind of put in its own own category as I find it very, um, very grounding. I'm much more likely to get a communic get a, an understanding around how I should behave as a, a father, husband, business person than I will about, you know, different dimensions in reality. And psilocybin, I, I find, has a very spiritual component to it, and I'm not as drawn to it because of, because of that. I find ayahuasca very, very, very practical, even though there are visions and spiritual aspects of it. But I think it's on us, you know, people like myself and others who are talking about it, to, um, to prove that this time is different. That's all. It's not. It's not a guarantee. These things aren't good. They're tools and right. they're power so tools, and they can definitely go the wrong way. Very differently. Well, and the potential for misuse is, is high, and yeah. the the risks yeah. are high. There's no there's no question about it. I just see so much suffering, and I've seen a lot of people get tremendous relief from the suffering. Well, it gives I, way out, but it's not it's not without work. I don't I don't agree with um, it being a shortcut, because um, there's work during it. Number one, it's it's a very 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 intense six hours. I mean, is it? It's short to go into an ice bath for three minutes. It's only three minutes, but if it's forty degrees, it's it's a long three minutes. Right. right. And an ayahuasca ceremony is only six hours, but right. it can feel like six years if uh, right. if it wants it to. So I don't. And also, there's the work afterwards. The work afterwards has to be put in in order I mean, to you're talking about integrating it. Yeah. Correct. But I've seen for a lot of people who were stuck that this gave them uh, a way out, whether it was, I mean, some very serious things and some things which on the outside maybe weren't as serious, but people who are struggling with suicidal ideation, marriage issues, I mean, relationships were about to, families which were about to be broken apart, divorce, and that changes. And then some more um, relatively, could be mild things is... Hey, I'm scaring the shit out of my kid, right, right. you know, and recognizing that right. in a uh, in a ceremony, and maybe avoiding something very serious for their child. You said you, and I know that you've you've done like serious breath work. Um, I've done some of that too, and I even incorporate some in these in my mm-hmm. art meditation workshops. Like you know, um. And I've gone to weekends where it's like these healing retreats, trauma release, and these type of things. I think just everybody's like, I, I've seen people with 
some people just these these things are so powerful for them i've seen a major some major changes in their life i'm a huge like proponent. some people like it's in other words i think it's a, i'm just saying it i, I i've seen it also without the usage of these things but that's for sure that's what i've seen yeah no it's not everyone needs it absolutely right, not right. of course not you know i um I, I speak to people all the time and I'm like, wow, you got here without, like you got to this level of understanding and broadness of mind without psychedelic um, use. I'm, I'm impressed, right? For me, right. it definitely, it, I definitely needed some power tools in order to break but down some of the walls is, that were built up. There is a lot of suffering. There's a lot of, there's a, a lot, lot of suffering. Just a lot of people suffering. really stuck. And I, it's actually overwhelming to me. It's so distressing when I see it, especially when I see it from young people in my own community. Mm -hmm. It's very distressing. Um, and and actually because of that, um, and because I I went I dealt with some of these this breath work and different things, I actually started to, as I was doing with you, but it goes a little it goes mm -hmm. deeper when it's like one on one. But where I you're it's um, where I found methods using techniques with the art, like where you can just go in and actually it can it's healing things, certain things. It's just like I don't know what you call it. I call it somatic art. But it's it just. But to all these things, like no, and I would say sure. Meaning, if someone's getting relief from those things, right? right. God bless. I, I could tell you my own experience with breath work, and I have pre and post right. psychedelic right. experience with breath work, um, and a, a lot of pre experience because I actually had a coach who I spoken. I've had him on the podcast, and I've spoken about a few times. His name was Mike Rosenfeld, and he and I worked together for a couple of years, and he's a breath work, um. He's breathwork trained, and pretty much every time we met, we did some breathwork. Mm -hmm. It was only five, even if it was only five or ten minutes, and then at many times taking me through deeper experiences. And I had it helped me a lot, tremendously. Well, breathwork can be absolutely amazing. However, I would say yeah. my breathwork experience post psychedelics have been completely different mm -hmm. than my ones before. I felt like you, you, you allowed yourself to go to certain exactly. Places. There were places that I didn't know were attainable within me, and you know, often as they're coming up, as as someone is, is getting to those sp spaces, all of the fears in one's life comes comes rushing in, and it was only under um, psychedelics that I was essentially trapped to deal with those those fears. I, I and saying. once I was able to mm -hmm. break down that wall, then yeah, now I don't I don't feel an intense need for um, for psychedelics. No, I don't. And, um, you know, you had mentioned uh, offline my conversation with Mayor Commonson that happened right after a breathwork ceremony with him. It felt to me very, very similar. It was shorter with less side effects. So I understand that. I understand that people can access that. But then you have many who simply cannot. And I don't think I was in a place that I could have. And it wasn't for lack of work. It's just when the walls are built that high and the fears are that intense, sometimes we need a... Uh, right. Sometimes a hammer can break down a wall and sometimes you need a stick of dynamite. No, I hear you. What I found, which is really actually, it's, uh, it's just interesting how I end up into this place. But, um, like, what I feel I can accomplish, I'm, I'm not like a full time, <laughs> whatever. Any of these things are just helping people with through mm -hmm. through these things. It's not like that. I, I, a lot of people, they're, they're so stuck. They don't even. They haven't even 
entered sort of the zone of like now more and more everybody's because everybody's talking about it, but this was mm -hmm. not years ago this wasn't you know from a breath work or any of these things meditations like all of a sudden people are hearing that the, oh and they haven't gone there before so anyway but in any which case what i do with my my workshops or something it's more like a backdoor way of where a lot of times it's people who have not had experience of just going into a certain place where they're uh what's the I just want to if I can if I can accomplish that they feel that something it was stuck there's some movement out of it do you hear what I'm saying then I feel like I've accomplished something yes let's talk because about once you once the that once that nut is cracked it just leaves space for for a lot to happen for a lot to happen yeah like i have one guy come to me and and um i did i call car, a little carpet work you know and um and there was trial of traumas and he'd gone to what do you call it uh, you know therapist talk therapy for two years and he, he actually the, it happened because he's telling me it's just he's he's tired not doing you know so i said like i do a little some of the stuff you know you want we can try it out you know Anyway, I didn't hear from him, and I don't do these things. I just it's usually more of like a one or two type thing, and get them like ball rolling. And he called me up, like, I mean, I called him up to say how he was doing. A couple of weeks later, I heard from him nothing, anything, and he said you know, he signed up for a three-day retreat for trauma release. He would have never, you know, done that without opening up that. What do you call it? That possibility that he needed, you know what I'm saying? Right. You know what I'm saying. So. Um, and that happened through through the work with you. Right. That's I'm right. saying that if that that's if I can accomplish that. So let's talk a little about your work because I don't know if um, most of the audience will understand. So most people know you as an artist, but over the last few years, I've you've I guess uh, started working through whatever it was you were dealing with. I think you went through a divorce, right? Yes. Yeah, so. Um, yeah. After thirty years, of course, I'm not going to go into any details about that. Right. But but um, the anyone's been through a divorce, and it was my second divorce, and I have nine kids, four from my first marriage and five from my second, and the first marriage was ten, eleven years, and the second one was thirty years. Oh. So it's not like it's very funny. I was thinking it was. I either woke up this morning, yesterday morning, and I I just had this whole thing like. I'm giving and giving a microphone to many people, like, and there's a, half the people who are married were divorced. <laughs> That's yeah. the way it is, right? Yeah. So it's a big audience, and probably your audience is probably a bigger percentage because you know people listen or need healing and stuff. And I just married off my last child, and it was actually remarkable to see how my kids turned out, and with all these things, and, and it was whatever it was just really very healing a very beautiful wedding down here in florida anyway um what i came to realize is that it's i i start i, I said to myself you can look at it like i was divorced like people think of themselves as divorced or you can think about it like no i no i had a marriage for 30 years i like when you see all the stuff and all the stuff that came out of it and children and not, like, and even when doing it, everyone's working things out. It's still work, trying to work in a relationship, even if it's like, does, ends up like in divorce, you know, 
it's still it's your life it's it's not always bad anyway like that and it's like there's just saying it's still a 30 year marriage it's a marriage like i had a marriage and so to me when you see like beautiful children and they're emotionally you know healthy and all this kind of stuff and to me it's it was a successful marriage <laughs> if that's do you hear right. what I'm saying? 100. If a business so, survives 30 years, what? if a business survives right. 30 years, right? It so it's like it's business. like a it's a po it's a positivity bias. Like, what do you, what are you really meditating on? What and when you have that kind of grati gratefulness, so then, so then, you can go right to the you know, you're grateful to God. So it's, you know, because like instead of like why'd you do this to me or why I went through this or that, then you know that whole mm -hmm. stuff. You can even become you get you grateful to your you know your ex spouse. You can become grateful, you know, just the great the gratitude it sort of takes over. I I just think it's and and, and a lot of times I go through these things or I'll, when I went breath work you have spiritual experiences like you're talking, mm -hmm. and I try to like find it in Torah or Chassidus or something. I try to find oh maybe that's what it's talking about and I, and I always find it did you hear what I'm saying like it's maybe always, that's it's, what what's talking about like the like a a, 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 a concept in Hasidus or a th it's it's all there we just don't we you don't experience it you don't really understand what it's talking about but I'm saying I seem to be always be able all the things the things gratitude all these things you can find it we have it in our own backyard is what I'm trying to point out Right, but obviously, so I guess what you're saying with that is that it's it's all there, and therefore not having to look elsewhere. No, I wasn't even right. I'm not just, that I was just it making a statement about. Um, no, I don't know where you were going. You asked me about divorce. But no, I, actually, I, I wanted to get that in before I forgot right, because it, it was a real we were actually positive thought about the about whole divorce. experience. Is what I'm saying. But the right. pain, it's like an expansive the thought. The pain is excruciating pain right anyone's been through divorce the best divorce is excruciating right. but it's an expansive thought it doesn't take away the pain what? it's just it's an expansive thought in the sense that it doesn't take away the the pain of it but it right you're able puts to things hold in context. it yes it's a balance yeah there's no, a 30-year marriage that then no went and the divorce. pain can definitely get less no, if, if if actually it's there's a redemptive part of the pain too i'm not talking about the pain now i'm talking about the painful part of the experience well, you know that when you're in the middle of it, it's just it's it, you have to draw on a much deeper place. 100%. But you have a good line to see on the other side, you know. <laughs> there's there's a, that's it, many times I get it when you're other side, you come to the you know when you work through something, then then you, you but yeah, people. But that's it. That's what I'm saying. So. The, it's like you have to be patient. You have to be there for a person. Be very compassionate. Someone coming to you and they're in the middle of stuff. Sometimes all you can do basically is just be there and they should see, ah, oh, like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. They, they, you know, things will work out at some point and it won't be like this, which is usually the way it is, you know. Yeah, where I was going was actually introducing your somatic art so i was oh, saying okay. everyone knows you as an, as an, those who know you know you as an artist right but over the last few years you've developed some sort of right um, right 
I mean, a it's method. like sort of on the side. You know, it's not my day job. And most things are in the evening and when they happen and that kind of thing or whatever. But So speak to, speak to that a little bit. We did a little bit before um, right. we started recording. Right. And we didn't go that far like when you actually start making a piece of art. It's, it's actually, you know. Um, well, 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 you experienced a little like you want to ask me a question about it or you just want me to start? I want to, I want to explain to the audience because you were referencing it. I want to explain to the audience that uh, look, kind of what it is and what you offer, not in all the detail, but just that there's right. a somatic art practice that you right. offer that right. has a therapeutic um, component right. to it or aspect to it. Right. So using art as a way to, uh, to heal. Right. Yeah. What we did was nifty. I liked it. The music, the, um, external expression of the internal world right using the the pencil and the paper to kind of put what we're feeling on the paper and then be able to look at it afterwards i i thought it was neat right um gosh well yeah i mean basically from doing what do you want to call it, inner work you want to call it breath work having working out mm -hmm. i spent the last few years really trying to go within deeper you know because <laughs> we have our we have our childhood traumas but this is like we have, this is this is trauma right now right then when you're going through these things and stuff like that and yeah, there's a lot of soul searching and all this stuff just all over again so to speak and i realized i don't know for somehow because some of the techniques that some of these things is like where it's some, uh, you have somatic healing done to you and you, you you find certain things in the body where the where the, the you look locate where the where the original traumas came from inner child work and it's you know this kind of thing and i don't know at just one point i started to realize that you know with doing certain things physical withdrawing or certain things that it it's it's just so in line with where people are needing the somatic. Why do people, so many people need somatic healing today? Because it's it, the body keeps the score, and it's it's it it really you have to find it in order to just heal it. And I've seen amazing things with that done. We're just getting what's the word? Uh, it's, I guess you can call it trauma release or whatever it is. Or getting in, and then things, because people's lives, sometimes it's the way they think about things, the, the spin. You know, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do this. I, um, I'm, I'm this. I'm that. All kinds of things that came Mind from stuff. very early. Programming. And you've had people in your pockets who mm -hmm. are psychologists who, who deal with this type of stuff, you know. From, so I realized, like, with, with actually doing things with your hands and, like, you can actually access those places and there's a reference for the person by doing something physical like that um, on the page. And they, they actually can feel certain things, close eyes with the music, certain things, relaxing, and you actually can get, it helps like in meditation, you can like get in touch with the person, a place that's like your calm essence, et cetera, so to speak. And so then your ability to deal with these paradoxes, these opposites and everything, you can actually, you have some reference. If someone uh, listening is interested in working with you, how would mm -hmm. that, how would they do that? Well, they could call Muchnik Arts and my secretary will take down if we can work something out. I do things, you know, I'm yeah. not yet, when I say yet, I, I'm still an artist and I do my art and it's like 
um, I don't tr travel much to do these things. I do most of them in New York here and there, and um, but I'm open to things. It's best, you know, whatever. Or or I I can be a guest at a at maybe a healing retreat or something like that, like I did with you. I, mm -hmm. It could be something for a few hours workshop in the middle of a weekend. Um, and there's lots of those going on, and I'd be open to that for sure. Right. I think it's because it's just a different way of accessing. Hundred percent. Yeah, people are different, and some you know some people. It's, it really, you know, they, they get they really are affected by it very deeply. No, I can imagine. I can see how um, that can happen. How it can happen. Yeah, we only did it probably for about 15 minutes. Right. But I saw how it can, uh, it can happen. One of the more interesting parts was, you know, when you first started, I don't want to give away too much of, of what you do, but when you first started it and it was, you know, just calm and getting to that space and then you interrupted with things that were a little bit more harsh. So seeing seeing the very stark difference between the two states. Meaning typically if I'm doing a meditation, so you go into a meditative state and then you'll slowly come out of it and then slowly the world will come at you. But it, in this, it was... <laughs> right, like you have right. to leave the place and go... Correct. Go and then slowly job, you'll start right? yeah. slowly you'll right. start getting... You almost won't even notice the difference between you in a tense state and right. you in the, the calm meditative state. Right. And over here you created it within seconds... And I was like, wow, that is, that's, Powerful. that's what it feels like. That's what right. it feels like that totally relaxed state that I right. can You're be actually in. feeling that the, 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 pro the process that you feel in life in this, you're feeling it actually in, in an exercise. Correct. That's what I want to call it. R right. It kind of puts like it under a microscope. Word. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. It puts it under a microscope because typically it sneaks up on you. <laughs> and so you start to, you can start the day in a beautiful meditative state. And um, by the time evening comes around, you're exhausted, but there wasn't a moment when, Right, it came rushing in, right. in your workshop that happens. Right, there's a moment where it comes rushing right. in, and you can right. see it. It's like, hey, I was in this meditative state, and now there's I'm, a lot of tension in my body from some of the things. I have a whole did. bunch of things that, that I do. It's actually, and I've heard that word because when someone feels it, like they'll say something, like this is profound. Like it's it's a, it can be a profound moment just to just wow. Um, yeah, and then there's also things I do. Someone comes to me and I just do some, like I said, I'm not a licensed somatic. I'm not, um, I got my whole life. I never, I never, I never got licensed anything. I never, I, I quit. Oh, as much as you dislike religion, I dislike um, this idea of, uh, you know, only licensed healers being, being able to do anything. Meaning we're all medicine. We're all medicine. Right, all, right. There's license for a specific thing. Okay, so if someone learned EMDR therapy then congratulations you have a certification for that if someone learned cognitive behavior therapy so they can put i totally but we're all healers <laughs> like i tell people i say like I, you know i did graduate high school i got a diploma like but, but I, I i quit art school to be, go to yeshiva i never i never stayed long enough to become a, a rabbi so i left there you know what i mean and, and, and all these things and i and i do all this stuff i never <laughs> i think it's so it's working for me you know so but um yeah, it's life experiences, whatever. So I do some one-on-one -on -one where I literally you get into a meditative state and I have them on the carpet and stuff like that. And, and it's I it's very interesting being like so versed in color and shadow and all these kind of things. So you can utilize that 
And when there's a visual or something or you're feeling something, like I can have people go into, like if they're like in pain, whether it's emotional, something they can like locate, locate it mm-hmm. and put a color to it. It's, it, it, then each person's so different. I love it. It's when you know in all this kind of healing work, it's, it's so organic. It's beautiful. You you have you have to be just really present, and you just get the clues from the person because it's mm-hmm. what's in them. It comes out right according to what it is. So, um, for instance, I've had a, a few times um, someone came, and something they're coming. I, I'm I'm coming like I'm a pain heal. They're not like that. You know, they're coming. They just mentioned that they have they have this real pain. Something is so. Um, if, when I, I get them very, very relaxed and all this kind of stuff, and I have music to help them with that, that um, put a color to it, and 95% of the times they put a color to it. They could put a color they, to it. Yes. Like I just had a, and this, a color comes to them mm-hmm. where they can put a color to it. So in as an artist, I would know this, and many people know, know it, but now I'm, I, I learned I, this, taking this, and I was applying it, and I'll explain that if you have uh, the color wheel is you know the rainbow colors that's the Roy the, G. Biv. The, it's there's an order to the it's and then Kabbalah it's the sphero the spheros and all these things right red orange yellow green blue indigo Re- violet good and all the colors are included in white L- colors are light Co- white is not the absence of color it's actually the exact opposite white light is actually the inclusion of all colors and when you refract like a prism or the rainbow when there's a mist then it refracts and then the colors come out so the colors are like in a lower level than the light, the white light and this is all explained I, 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 all kinds of things in kabbalah hasidus i mean it's like the, you know white and everything's in cast it's fascinating right and these can be applied to all kinds of things. Anyway, so if you take the end of the rainbow and you put it, if you, were, if it, you had the strip and you take the one side and put it up to the other side, that's called the color wheel. When you ever look up and you can look up Google, the color wheel. Okay. It's it's the rainbow going around and coming back to the full right, so circle. Right, so the rainbow not coming being back a half. Full circle. Coming back full circle, right? Okay. So um, it's called in, by art, whatever, complementary colors means if, whatever's on the opposite side of the color wheel so there's like blue would be orange red would be green yellow would be purple okay if you let's say you're you're painting a picture and your yellow is too bright the way to dull it is you put like it's like a, low, a light wash of purple on it or you put purple uh purple dots or purple anything around it and it the yellow dulls it's not as bright looking okay. to the eye right so if i would put on this wall like i put yellow, the same yellow pieces of paper on this side and one on that side but on that side i would surround it with some purple you would swear to me that this is like 10 times brighter than that yellow okay, okay? so i do a lot of meditation about all this stuff in the morning you do I a do lot of what meditation i do breath work in the morning like for about 45 minutes my own relaxing circular breathing and i meditate it's r- wonderful and i think and sometimes in the middle of the night i can't sleep i wake up and i start ideas for a workshop or these meditations just what i'm talking about i just there's no end to this anyway so i i i realized that if that's the case and if you can put a color to your pain then if you meditate on the on the, the opposite color 
it would it would ease the pain right <laughs> i'd have to try it no it i've done good. it with people yeah, yeah. it's incredible not most of them walking or not having but it's like so i've had people come in now it doesn't mean it goes away forever it's like anything it's just like any one of these things you're talking about when you have an experience and something very intense so then you have to integrate it and you have mm. to train or whatever i'm convinced if they so I'll have someone who'll come and he puts a color like I had one guy come and put a dark green, you know, <laughs> color to his. And he was in, in fact, he was in such pain that unfortunately he had real stomach issues and it was all from stress. I know the guy person mm -hmm. and he ended up in the hospital and had an operation. Never. But and when he came to me, so he's doing this and I, and I, and I said, you know, just think. It was a personal thing, so I'm not going to go into it, but he, I said, think of anything with light green. And there was something in his life that was light green that was very um healing for him right mm -hmm. and i had him picture it and i had him surrounding that whatever how I what was the color visual, of the pain um dark green okay so you had so, him do i'm sorry i'm sorry i i i said light green light pink red and and green are opposites so dark green the opposite would be light pink light Got red it. or like pinkish right so i had and he found something that was very healing a few things he says and it, he was like and I just said, like, surround your pain, with, surround the red with that, surround the air. And his pain went away. His pain, like, in this case, his pain completely went away. I've done this a few different times with some people if, they were, if that was, was going on. The amplification of, like, visual somatic healing through visual colors, I think, just untapped. Like, I feel like oh, I should start at like a whole. <laughs> it sounds really interesting. Research. It that. sounds really interesting. And it's, and it, and it, and then I would imagine if it, and I, I did this with one of my granddaughters, but you know, the, you know, she was afraid of the, the dogs or something because her sister loves watching the dogs. So they, 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 they dog watch. Mm -hmm. she, the sister, like, she takes, her mom goes away to the, you know, for a weekend, she babysits the mm -hmm. dog. But the other sister's like freaked out by the, by Adam. <laughs> So I had her put a collar and I told her also the same thing, just like meditate when you see it, just meditate with this dispersed color. But I'm just saying like, you can do all kinds of things like that alone. Then I have this thing, but with this with was very powerful. One of the things in the somatic thing, which I go again, I want to give it away, but no one's going to remember it from today to tomorrow that much because they're not experiencing it. But where you actually, um, I have a ball of clay and it's covered and you, you're actually, you think about what, um, something that's really, really bothering you, that's like, a, that mm -hmm. you're really stuck with. And again, it can be from A to Z and everyone finds something, it's not a problem. You know, it's the whole atmosphere. And then, um, I mean, it's this whole thing about unraveling it and, and cutting off the, the, the husk and, and that's really not, it's not like this thing, which is like a rock solid thing. You really, you, if you start needing it or something, you, you actually can realize that this, and you experience inside this feeling of that, you know, it's not, and you're actually dealing with that particular mm -hmm. thing that uh, it's not as, right? And then I go to this whole thing where you actually, that actually ends up becoming this piece of art that you make. From it, the clay. Yeah, like it's, and I've done these other things 
I'm intrigued, by the way. I would, uh, I would sign up for sure. What? I'm intrigued. I would sign up. Yeah, your mother said the same thing. Did she? I, no, I was just saying okay. I, I do women's workshops. So I said, you know, she says, oh, I want to go. Anyhow. Um, uh, Did she? Because we had some guy in a podcast that said that, um, you know, the parents can heal things. They can affect the kids. They, they can heal things. And, and it can affect their kids. Oh, for sure. Oh, it's not a so question about it. Maybe, oh, so you can't wait till I bite your mother now. Yeah, maybe you'll save me some time. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it. I've been no, working through a few issues that true. are stuck. I it's believe that's it. true. That's another thing, which, like, I had a couple, and I happened to bump into both of them. Just, you know, we talk, and they're spiritual type people, and I mentioned that, you know, I do these things. And I get a call from them, can they come as a couple to my, mm-hmm. to, can you do us as a couple? I said, look. I've been divorced twice. I'm not going to be doing couple type therapy with this stuff. It's just like, I'm not, I don't feel like that's not my, you know, forte. So um, I said, if you want to come as a couple, but you're, I'm just doing the stuff, but just you're both coming, but we're doing the integral things that I normally do, fine, right? So um, they come and I charge a good, decent amount of money for it because it's a couple and I just, it's like whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, they come, and um, I had this thing where, like, I, I can't explain exactly, but they, they made this whole background with the clay and stuff, and then um, like an abstract or whatever, and each one took the colors that, that's, that they liked. So each one's really, it's their colors. So when someone picks a color, it's also something from mm-hmm. inside. And, you know, so I said, you know, now, after they had got to that point, I said, now cut, cut each, I gave them the thing, they cut it in half. Cut your, you know, soft cut. I said, now each one, pick pick a half and give it to your spouse, right? So she gives him and he gives him. And um, he starts, you gave me the half that you didn't like. And uh. she got all, you know, whatever, and bent out of shape because he said that because she actually gave him the half that she really liked the best. He says, I'm only kidding. He says, no, you weren't. Like, they started this whole fight over it. You know? This is like right at the beginning of this <laughs> thing, right? And I'm not going to do couple anything, right? And I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, oh, good Lord. Like, you know, I mean, forget it. This is just, uh, this is ba- above my pay grade, and I don't want to go here. But I thought, you know, they pay me all this money. And I just, I said, you know what? Nahal, just go with it, right? So um, then I told them, look, that basically now he sh- you had this thing that you made, and now it cut, and it's like it's, you're bringing the other person's color. It's not what you would. <laughs> it's it's in a light way jarring. It's not what you expected. It's not what you. I said. Now your challenge is to take both of these pieces, each of you, and on your separately, and make something, make a piece of art out of it. Anything, any creation you can come by blending both of your colors into this thing. I can't tell you what gorgeous things they came up with it was a but it was balanced beautiful and 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 they gifted each other with it It was just really anyway after that session so they called me they said look they didn't know this was going to be so cool they and it really helped them da 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 go can we come like eight times but just charge us you know like much less for because we're telling you like this we know that you don't do couples. You can experiment on us anything <laughs> you want, right? So, like, you know, couples. And um, that's what happened. They come to me like 10 times. They're still coming. They love it. <laughs> it's like a night out. And yeah. there's, always, there's always something cool going on. And I keep adding all these different things to my repertoire. And 
it's really, really fascinating. There's something about this taking something which is from inside and just, you know. It sounds like a really fun date night. What? Much more fun than going to a restaurant. Well, that's the whole thing. It's always meaningful. Also, when you do groups, I've done women's groups, I've done men's groups, I've done Bali troops in Yeshiva. Like I, when I was in Tzfas, I come to Tzfas to finish this mural, right? But I can't control myself. I'm running around, like calling all these places. Do you want to do a workshop? You know, and um, and I had a granddaughter in there. She set up in the Chetrik Yeshiva. I mean, you talk, the seminary, and this is like the cram of the cram. You know, the, 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 you know the, the girls who learn the and I have a name above it. So they actually left me alone with them. They didn't know I was going to do any of this stuff anyway. And I did. I did. I did Rotsoy with breath work and all kinds of stuff. And they made these things out of. Be- it was really amazing. And some other things, it was fun, it was deep. It, and what happens in almost all the time, actually, I could say all the time, it, it brings the people get closer together. By the time they leave this workshop, it, it's very connecting. Yeah, my because wife. Because you're connecting. You're connecting. Yeah, yeah. My wife and I did something once, but it wasn't a therapeutic workshop or anything. It was just some place you go and, and paint. And uh, we worked on something together. She's right. a lot better at, at than right. I am. Right. We worked on something right. um, together, and they had different themes and right. thoughts, and it definitely right. prompted conversations. Meaning there was something we put a road with trees and something at the end, right. and each each thing right. represented something right. else, and it facilitated a type of conversation yeah. between right. between us that many other things wouldn't. You know, there's a a possibility that once we hear this, a lot of people um, call you about it. It's possible. Oh, no, I know that. But you have I'm to get busy. a. Um, I'm, I I have time, but I don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> I know my schedule. I get you a page on uh, OK Clarity. I don't know if you know what OK Clarity um, is. No, I realized this. I did. I did. Um, we'll see where it goes from here. I'm. I was aware of that. Yeah, it happens sometimes. It's. It's not. Uh, it's not something I can predict or not. But I know even Mayor Thomas. I'm not was, afraid. Yeah, he was I'm, busy I'm before breathwork, but I know. You know, he has told me that. Um, since the podcast here, a lot of people have uh, reached out to him for one-on-one, for virtual, for um, you know other kinds of work, and then people bring up ideas. Well, so once, someone sees you and says, "Hey, maybe I, maybe you can do this for me based on what." Uh, once they hear Ellen Nash say, "Oh yeah, Mary, like I like what you did with me," or they say, Mary, "Yeah, yeah," all of a sudden becomes really kosher for a lot of people. Yeah. I have to tell you, uh, maybe not a lot of <laughs> people. Maybe the people who listen to this. What? Maybe the people who listen to this. What I said, maybe the people who listen to this, which is well, why a lot listen. of people listen to yeah. this. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm. It's a little bit. I have a little bit of a challenge these days because, in some funny way, I'm sometimes more excited about that than like doing my paintings. <laughs> actually, I was going to ask. It's an you actually. That. It's actually a bit of a challenge. I was going to ask you that question about. Uh, I was thinking about that earlier in the conversation, just being an artist and then going into that as a career. And how money sometimes sucks out the spice of, of, uh, of life. And how is, how has that been uh, to manage the creativity with the I got, uh, profession, career, money aspect of it? I have a big challenge with that now because I do a lot of not my own art, but I do a lot of stuff for Chabad houses. You know, these honor walls and all this with my mm-hmm. art, but it's not creative for me or it's repetitious. I'm in the midst of a whole. Thing. And with all this work I've been doing and everything, I just, 
there's a lot. Don't think I don't have a lot of conflicts. You know, I can see <laughs> what I can see as soon as I brought it up. The whole uh, yeah, you saw my, my yeah, body yeah, the whole language. mood Yeah. Um, was, I thought I, I thought you'd share something with me. Like if I well, turn this no, into I'll a share business, whatever you want. What? No meaning. I thought you'd share something that can help me out myself. Be, like huh. this is not a business. Right? Maybe you this can podcast. help me <laughs> <laughs> on this one. But um, you somehow managed to produce all. No, okay, with that. Um, because it, it's 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 my what do you call it? It's my love. It's my passion. You know, art. For many years, I traveled, and it was mostly, let's say, ninety percent Chabad houses. There were other things, places I did uh, exhibitions, but um, and it was it was really a shluchos. It was really like. A, it was a mission for me. It wasn't just about selling the artwork at all. It wasn't, right, it was out of the message. It that's... really wasn't the main thing. It was, um, it was, and I got a lot of input from the Rebbe, so I felt very good about that. Growing up, we had a lot of your art in uh, my right. friend's house. So, yeah, I know that. It was Rebbe I pictures and your art, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I know that they, they bought things. Um, and, or they were gifted things as a presentation piece that mm -hmm. uh, happened to. But in any which case, um, uh, wait, where were we? I got lost with that. Um, oh, you're talking about the work for the Chabad House, ninety percent. Oh no, so, so yeah, so I went. So I I had this uh, slideshow, which was like twenty minutes, half an hour, where I took from different paintings I had, starting with the birth of a child. It all had to do with Jewish life, you mm -hmm. know. And then I went through hol different things, bar mitzvah holidays spiritual stuff and the end of with Mashiach ideas, whatever, and different paintings that, that that had to do with it. And a lot of it was like vintage. And as time went on, I added new styles, whatever it was, but it was fascinating. Um, and I would show that the be before the exhibition sale and stuff happened. Like it was all set up, mm -hmm. the lights went out and I would show that. Uh, and it was always, it blew me away myself. How, um, attentive people were listening to it and how much Hasidic ideas and things because most of them were, were based on some mm -hmm. some teaching so when you get a rabbi up there unless he's like he has to be really really charismatic for people to like listen to what he's saying and usually has to make one good point and if he goes off too much people's eyes right. start going you know or they fall asleep or whatever like that here in the course of this slide presentation like because they're looking at something visual whew, like they, they really were able to like get all this kind of stuff and have a good feeling about this particular it was really amazing i have to be really honest with you um I guess this life and it was hard for me to travel around. And when I was like, it's like going through a divorce or something, just things happened that I, I got older. It was more risky for financial reasons, other things. And then I started getting more, what do you call it, uh, commissions. And at one point, I just sort of settled down in my studio and I didn't do, but I still feel bad about it in a way. Like it was because it was so amazing for that aspect of it. And sometimes you'd sell and sometimes you didn't sell so much, but that was. I actually had a haraw, or a the rabbit gave me actually advice about that. Oh, talk about anxiety? Yeah. Oh, cool. So the first time I did a, one of these traveling exhibitions, I didn't even have that much artwork. I didn't have made lithographs yet. There were some prints, things like that. 
And I made, at that time, the most Chabayas were in California. This was like early 80s, like maybe 81. So I scheduled eight exhibitions, mm. sort of almost one night after another. And they were always looking to do some kind of something, and this was very unique. And da, da, da. By the third exhibition, I sold out. I didn't even have it. I, didn't even, I just wasn't calculating. I sold out almost everything. I, was, I see I was going to sell out. But people put out invitations and expected me, and they're having this whole thing. I, I got so stressed. It was really the anxiety was like <laughs> I, through the roof. I was like totally. I mean, um, when I came back from the trip, I mean, I, I was sick from it. It was like that kind of thing. So um, I ended up selling it and asking if I could return it after the week so I could have the exhibition and then people right, could order sense. things or whatever it was. Yeah, except that I had to go back to each of those cities and, and return artwork to all these people who bought right. I mean, whatever. Anyway, I learned a lot of lessons. But I came back, I asked her, but what can I do? No, I said, actually, it looks like I can make Parnassa from this. You know, I'm selling. People are buying my artwork and I'm doing these exhibitions. I said, but I'm so anxious. I came back sick. Like, I, I, how can I? So, what should I do? What should I meditate on? Instead of said, I should, um, I should put out a sitter, prayer book, um, Psalms, Tillam, and a Chumash, the you know, the five books of Moses, and then the um, um, a charity box, Tzedakah box and the side of each exhibition. That's what I should do. And then, and that the, also that I should give 18 times 18 cents. 18 is high, you know, life, the lifetimes, life, whatever, before each exhibition comes out to uh, $3.54. And what I should meditate on, this I for sure, if the Rebbe answered me, he was going to give me some kind of book to, you know, mm -hmm. like learn this, learn that. The Rebbe just said, meditate on the Hashkacha Pratis, which means meditate on, on the divine providence. And trust me, I, I, so when things were happening, which you weren't expecting, which happened all the time, you know what I'm saying? Or things were, let's say, I mean, I had my artwork not show up at an exhibition, which was starting in three hours after I got there, and they put it on a different plane because it was too small, and they put it on a plane that went to a different city. I mean, I've had <laughs> things happen, you know? <laughs> or when I traveled the world, customs this, they won't let me through. There's, just stuff like I have stories. I could write a book about it. But having that, like meditate, like there's a reason for things, and sometimes you see later, and some things really helped. And then I realized also people would come see Judaism in a picture, but when you see it actually on the table, it, it never said to the side, but you see there's a, there it's it's in life. It's a real thing. It was also like I like that. Um, those different things, but. And also about giving tzedakah, you don't don't wait till you sell, and, and that's when you give your temperance. You know, like start giving beforehand. Have patachan you're going to sell. You don't have right. to get all worried about that. Trust me, I'm by nature anxious, and I've had plenty of anxiety since then. But when I like do these things, I remember, oh, put the thing there or give the tzedakah. It's helpful. The, the, the bracha comes, and I'm I'm able to function the more calm. Right. So. You, anybody listening can take <laughs> that kind of thing. I think meditating on the all these things can be helpful for anxiety. Yeah, I've done that a lot without titling that, like meditating on the divine providence of things. But I, I do it often. It's just seeing the 
hand and connection. It's and I, I recommend it as well. Not using those words. It's major. I connected it more to something in the 12 steps, but it was nice to right. to hear a different reference for that, a right. reference for that. Right. I've, what do you think of the fact that, um, you know, in um, at, at some point in time, your art's probably going to be worth 50 or 100 times more than it is today? You mean like after 120? You yeah. Mean? Good. So my kids will benefit, <laughs> hopefully, if they still have the paintings. No, there's it was one artist in Crown Heights. So you know it'll probably happen, right? What? You know it'll probably happen. It's kind of the um Well most people that's what don't happened. last after hundred and twenty. No, I don't mean that. Oh, I that? mean that the art will be worth Yeah. Yeah. It's already happened to some extent, but it's like things that I sold, so they're selling to somebody else or something like that. So there's a there's a resale value, I guess. That people want right. Vintage, this is this is why stuff. I think um NFT art was interesting. Like for yeah. artists getting right. into NFTs, not necessarily the NFT creation of it, meaning the the fact that it's on a virtual world, right. but that the creator could be attached to it for the duration of this item's life. So, for example, yeah. if there was a... I haven't heard much about that lately. It's still popular. It got real popular for a while. But no one took yeah, all but my stuff to do it, and it was, I don't know. Whatever. Well, it got real popular. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't do it. It got real popular. It became a fad, meaning outside of the immediate circle of people who use it. But yeah, there's certainly there's definitely use cases for it, and it, uh, the blockchain has a lot of very interesting right. um, use cases. And if you talk about the zeitgeist in the right. world where right. we're recognizing the risks of giving too much power to right. too few people, right. I think blockchain has a lot of potential. But the idea with the from the art perspective is that every single time, let's say this was the piece of art, this glass, and it in order to sell it to you, you would want, hey, give me that virtual token that was attached to it right so that way i know it's real and i can right. verify the authenticity and kind right. of the the chain throughout it would be some sort of ledger that exists and I'm then late. you as I'm, and then I'm, me as the artist would say okay i'm fine i'm creating this every single time this trades hands give me back 10 percent." right and that theoretically in that economic environment that would be possible so and it's I think what attracted a lot so of artists you, 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 I, I, to that space. I'm just like so like not into economic things <laughs> like it's a, like and and all this stuff is, it's so funny. I'm really trying to pay attention like <laughs> but I sort of check out like you know like it's <laughs> not my thing. You know my kids want to do it fine because they're looking. Short. Imagine there was dollars. a way that <laughs> imagine there was a way that every single time your art sold even into yes you know fifty or hundred no, years from I now I think it should be that you way. Are a I think it should name. be that way for artists. Right. There was something that sold in Sotheby's of a Hasidic artist in the community, and it was like went for like four hundred eighty thousand dollars. You know when he was alive, you know he was just trying to you know put challah on the table. Right? I know that's exactly. And, what and, I'm and also like there's like hardly I don't think it's really any paintings left he had to sell all them to make to live in his apartment in crown Heights. You know? um so the kids don't benefit anything from it at all financially it's sad um and i wonder how they feel to see that done it makes i'm sure well to see my father's thing selling for that much money that's valued that way right that they, part they, of it's they nice, have no but... they don't have any merchandise right. So it's funny because that's how I feel. God should give me strength. I feel like right now I really want to like produce some pieces and just you know store it. Yeah, like Yerusha. Okay, we'll talk about it offline. What? We'll talk about it offline. <laughs> um, but but uh, uh, no, and it's also first. all the stuff that I've been going through. I've been so involved with like this stuff. It's I and whatever. And now like now I feel like I'm out of my last kid and and you know whatever. It's like. All the other stuff's behind. Uh, I really just, 
I also have this amazing drive to just create like amazing pieces of art, like a whole new. Well, it's neat to see. It's neat to see like the An older the youthful. Person. I don't yeah. know to call you older, but the youthful excitement. Yeah. Is it because you're divorced or, or is it possible no, to like, still no, have this? No. <laughs> don't ask me that. Um, um, <laughs> well, there's a certain, I guess, in that way, there's a certain freedom, but, you know. Uh, maybe I have a little more. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's certain responsibilities. I'm, like I said, I just married for the last kid, you know, whatever. I'm, I can sort of focus on those things. That's neat. I mean, a lot to me and... and um yeah so let me ask you this as a final question i know you were um excited to come on this podcast which is kind of humbling it's it's cool in some way um do you feel like you you got what you came for um yes actually mostly in the last third where we started talking about my workshops and that stuff because that's my right now that's a huge passion by me um, and I see an amazing potential in it. Um, the other things, I've been on other things and I talk about you know, my, my, my stories, you know, that kind of thing. So, but that's what you were, that's where we were going. Yeah, I can say so, I want to do it as a date night. So I'm, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time in New York for the summer. Right. So I want to do it as a date night. I would love to do it as a date night. The, um, oh, were you with your wife, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. I and I, I think a lot of people listening will be um, inspired to reach out. Right, and I can it. I can do groups. If someone's like like, you can bring five couples, ten couples. I have certain limits of how much I can do in my studio. It's just a regular messy artist studio, but I have you know I clear off the I have three four big work tables and we clear them off with stools. Sounds awesome. And and I just write in with the with the artist himself, and it's right. sort of. Uh, I, I don't like real big groups because I like to know, know everybody's name and get a little bit personal with it. No, it sounds great. What's interesting about it actually is that you can, you don't have, the people don't have to be so vulnerable about letting out and even talk about so much what it's bringing up for them. They can apply what they're doing right there in their whole process of things. and just Right. You know. One of the things I like about the somatic... Um, work in general, whether it's breath work or other kinds of therapy, is that the answers kind of come from within and the experience one has, not everyone not everyone knows. It doesn't have to. You know, they can choose to share what they want. Right, exactly. I can have a very intense breath work ceremony and then just say afterwards, um, you know, thank you so much. I feel very uh, relieved right. and I released a lot. And none of... Right. And know, some people really I can, want to share. I can save the rest of it for a podcast, right. the details. Like during the, the workshop, okay. if I, I, sure. I basically ask, does anybody want to share we call it like a check-in with what you know you experience some people do it some people don't right awesome so thank you so much i really appreciate no, thank you, you uh, for having me it's very special and, uh, and um, god willing i'll have the opportunity with my wife to do uh the workshop with you or also just come alone and <laughs> you don't have to work so if i'm down here again i can do it anywhere yeah, no, like i, I said I we're spending a lot of time i just to bring the stuff yeah we're spending a lot of time in new york for the summer so we'll, oh, uh, oh okay cool my family's up there now so nice yeah, I can so see why they're up. It's so hot down here. It's a sauna down here. What? It's a sauna. Down here. Ridiculous. Well, inside here, the studio is beautiful. So yeah, no, no. Thank you is, for no. As long as you're inside, it's fine. Us. Um, and if you want, if you're inspired, we got a nice bath out back. Oh, and, nice. Uh, thank you. That's, okay, it's a fun Ellie. Thing to do. Well, 
Thank you so much. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.